verses 22 through 25. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25. That can be found in the Pew Bible in front of you on page 1037. 1037. But the, th- but, the fr- but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ has crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Good morning. It is good to be together this morning. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. We've had a wonderful month thus far. The month of March, we're thinking about the question, are you open to missions? And the first Sunday of this month was Missions Emphasis Day. And then the very next Sunday, we had a large group of our members to be on a trip to El Salvador. And we returned yesterday, last night, and it was a wonderful trip. And I'm sure you'll hear a lot more about it in the future. A lot of good was done even beyond the visible results, but the visible results were Uh, Quite obvious with seven restorations and six baptisms and hopefully that young congregation that was just established a couple of years ago uh, can be a little more grounded and a little more greater in the faith uh, because of the encouragement from those of this congregation and even some other congregations, uh, even from other states. We are thankful for the support of everybody in the work of the Lord. We realize that even as we go as a team, that even those that remain behind are part of the team and for your prayers, and for your support, and for the various ways that you've been involved in this work, truly, and hopefully, God was glorified, and we're thankful to each have our part in it. Behind me, you will notice a window that, if you've been here very long, you know that that window hasn't been in this building very long. But if you've been here for very long, you've seen that window many times. Uh, Any of you that uh, remember the building that was built in 1908 and we worshipped as a congregation in that building into the 60s, I believe it was. Any of you remember that building, the block building as it's called? Raise your hand up. Several of you remember this, remember this beautiful window. The Logue family a few years ago donated this window, which was, is actually one of the windows in that building. And, and it's where we got the idea and the architecture of the windows that are in this building, the shape of them. And uh, this project is not yet finished. Hopefully you, you think it looks attractive now, but there's accent lighting that is being wired in that really, really increases the beauty of it. And so, you know, it's not really fair to tell somebody don't form a first impression at a first look, but do that, okay? Don't form a first impression at a first look this morning. Uh, hopefully by maybe Wednesday or next Sunday, uh, then start with a first impression, and I think you'll really, really be pleased with what you see. It's beautiful to be able to hang on to a positive heritage. Uh, we don't want to live in the past, but we do want to appreciate our roots, and we want to appreciate those that have gone on before us, that have sacrificed so much that, that what we enjoy today in part is because of their life and because of their sacrifice, and this just seemed like a very appropriate thing uh, to add to the beauty of this building, but even more so to the meaning of who we are. We're continuing a study this morning on the fruit of the Spirit. And as we think about this study of the fruit of the Spirit, we are applying it especially to relationships. And as we think about the passage that's just been read after the list of the fruit of the Spirit, he says, against such there is no law. 
In other words, he's literally saying, if you and I can produce in our life the fruit of the Spirit, we will not violate any law. We never produce the fruit of our spirit and then back up and say, I really made a mistake there. I I sinned there. I'm sorry that I did that. No, in, in other words, those are the characteristics that build and strengthen our relationships. The previous month, we asked the question, are you open to stronger relationships? And to finish up this series, we'll study this this morning, and then one more lesson probably next Sunday morning as we continue to ask that question. And, and I don't just ask it as hopefully a way to interest you at the beginning of a sermon. I ask it for you to really think about it. Are you open to stronger relationships? Do you believe that that you and your family can have stronger relationships with each other? Do you believe that you and your church family can have a stronger relationship with each other? What about at work and in the community and just simply among your friends? Are you willing to say, I want to do my part? You can't live the other people's lives. But am I willing to do my part to have stronger relationships. And if we say yes, then it's not a guesswork. Well, I wonder what would work. God literally tells us what will strengthen our relationships. Since it's been a few weeks since we've been in this series, I do want to take the time to review some of these things that obviously if you've been here in the past, it'll remind you of that. And and that's why we're reviewing it. It's for us all to start on the same page in this series. Going back to that text, if you have your Bibles open, look there again at Galatians 5 and 22. And then we'll skip down to 24. There are four things I want you to have on your mind as we begin this series and this study. Notice first in 22, it is the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to develop that by way of introduction again in just a moment. Notice the second thing in 24. As he lists the fruit of the Spirit, Paul then says in 25, and those, he's talking about the people who produce this fruit. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So there are going to be those, that's the people over here, that they belong to Christ. They are Christ, as it says there. Those who are Christ. Well, what have they done? They've left the world. And in the world, they were living by their passion and by the flesh that would reign through the desires that they would have. And the works of the flesh, which we've not studied in this series, that'd be a wonderful series that we need to do sometime. It's earlier in this very same paragraph in Galatians 5. How do we get a life that produces the works of the flesh? Well, we live by the passions and the lust of the flesh and we produce that. But here he's saying, I want to talk about a different group of people. I want to talk about people who have crucified that desire. They have crucified that man or or that woman. And now who are they? They are Christ. Where do they live? Notice the rest of 24. If, big if right there, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So if we're making our home in the Spirit, in other words, now who are we? We are Christ. We live in the Spirit. How do we walk? What is our conduct? Our conduct is going to be of the Spirit. That's why he can literally describe actions and attitudes that would be produced in our life and say, those are the fruit of the Spirit, or that is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, with this in mind, we've been looking at various aspects or characteristics here of the fruit of the Spirit. Notice the fruit is singular here, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. First, we looked at love and joy, and we talked about shattering the mirrors. 
Stop reflecting what everybody does around you so that, that your actions are based on what they've done or your joy is based upon happenings around you. Instead, receive the love of God and live that in others in your life in relationship to others. Receive the joy of God and let that be secure and deep within your being so that you're not a, a moody or emotional roller coaster so that there is depth and there is an anchor in your life that's much deeper than just the things that's happening around you. Then we studied, secondly, turn the other cheek, and we studied about peace and long-suffering. What kind of person produces a peaceful life and a life that's willing to long-suffer? Well, this idea of turning the other cheek would never happen by our own fleshly nature. We would have to put that nature to death, and, and we would have to start living, producing the fruit of the Spirit if we were really going to become people that would turn the other cheek to say, you know what's more important than me and my comfort? Peace. You know what is more important than me getting my way? Suffering long to provide peace. And we studied about that. A third thing that we studied, and it was the last in this series thus far until today, and that is the extra mile. And we talked about kindness and goodness. Were we really willing to be active in doing good? Doing good instead of doing evil when evil has been done to us. That's the extra mile. Where we'll go with someone what they would expect, but then because the Spirit is producing fruit in our life, we would go beyond what others would expect. Now, as we think about this fruit, you remember the illustration I gave you, and, and I, uh, we, we've got to mention this again to make sure that we're all on this together. And I know it's a corny illustration. I told you the first time it's a corny illustration, but it makes the point so well because it's also very corny for us to do this in our spiritual life. What if I told you right now I had some orange construction paper and, and I had some little orange pieces of plastic and you come up and you say, David, what are you doing? I say, I'm making an orange. You say, oh, is it an art project? Is it for decoration? What is it? I say, oh, no, I'm hungry. I want to eat this when I'm finished. You think, are, are you out of your mind? Well, maybe so. It would be out of your mind to think, well, okay, where does an orange come from? Well, we all know, if you want to eat an orange and enjoy an orange, you have to go back to what produces an orange. What produces an orange? The orange is just the fruit. What produces it is an orange tree. Friends, what I want us to walk away from this series, and it doesn't matter if it's a year from now or five years from now, I want it to come to our mind every time we study this passage. We do not just simply work on love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and, and today, faithfulness. We don't just set out in life and say, I want to make faithfulness in my life. Do you realize it's not done that way? You don't succeed that way. Why do people disappoint themselves? Why do they say, I just can't seem to get it right? Well, if you sit down and try to make an orange, you're going to keep disappointing yourself. You're going to keep saying, I just can't get this right. But if we go back to what produces the orange and we nurture it and we grow it, whenever we work on that relationship with God where we can honestly say, I now belong to Christ, I live in the Spirit and I walk in the Spirit, and when we can say that, then we are producing a life that produces faithfulness. It's a wonderful byproduct, if you will. It's a wonderful symptom, if you will, of, of this life that is living in the Spirit. 
Another way that it's illustrated in the scriptures, Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Since we're reviewing, we've got to pick up the pace just a little bit. Remember, this is where he actually compared this life in the spirit to being intoxicated. And in verse 18 of Ephesians 5, he says, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. And, and how many times have we seen someone do something or we've heard them say something that later they come back and they apologize and they say, I'm sorry, that, that was just the alcohol. Uh, I, I, shouldn't have, I wouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. If I wouldn't have been drinking, I would not have done that. Please forgive me. Do you realize the Lord is pleading with us, I want you to produce this fruit in your life. And the Lord, in a, in a very straightforward way, is saying, you can't do that on your own. In other words, if we're doing this right, we're going to have friends in the world that say to us, why did you do that? I can't believe that you were nice to that person when they just treated you so rudely. Why did you do that? And we'll have to kind of give the same answer except it'll go like this. Oh, if it was just me, I wouldn't have done that, but I'm under the influence of the Spirit. And now I do things and I say things that I would have never said and done before because what is produced in my life now is love and joy and peace. That's a beautiful challenge. That's a beautiful life to live. And it's also beautiful to know that if any of us individually are saying, oh, I could never do that. You're right, you couldn't. On your own, there's not a person here that could live that life producing the fruit of the Spirit unless you're living your life with God. And when you're living your life with God, those things are produced. So this morning, let's look at faithfulness. And as we look at faithfulness, I'd like for you to think about the good steward principle. In other words, when we think about who's, who's faithful, well, if we had a good steward of possessions and a poor steward of possessions, we would immediately know which steward was faithful and which one was unfaithful. As a matter of fact, we have many illustrations of that, even in the Bible, in the parables that Jesus taught. And so then we think about this question, how would you define faithfulness? There's probably several ways you could even accurately define faithfulness. We think about a root of the part of faithfulness is the word faith. That's interesting. That gives us some kind of insight. So let's put some of this together and let's create this working definition for this morning's lesson on this next slide. When we think about faithfulness as it pertains to the fruit of the Spirit, notice fruit which makes a person utterly dependable, reliable, loyal in word and deed. Would you agree that that's someone that's faithful? Think about it, work. Who is it in your workplace that you say, oh, they are a faithful employee? They're dependable, reliable, loyal. Think about a friend you have and you say, they are a faithful friend. They're dependable, reliable, loyal. Think about a Christian that you know and you say, they are a faithful Christian. In their relationship with God, are they dependable, reliable, loyal? In their relationship with the church family, are they dependable, reliable, loyal? Those are some pretty good words to describe what is faithfulness. When we look in the scriptures, we see so many teachings that literally we could go to almost every page in the Bible to talk about faithfulness. Look in Luke the 8th chapter. You remember in Luke the 8th chapter... It was the parable of the soils and the seed, which was the Word of God, was planted in four types of soils. Now, the first type of soil that, that we don't have on the screen, uh, we're beginning in verse 13, but prior to that was a, was a soil that was the wayside or, or the pathway that whenever it was thrown on that was so hard that the birds just came and immediately ate it up. So it literally, it never was faithful to begin with. 
But what's interesting is that the other three soils, there was a amount of faithfulness, but only the last soil were faithful. And so what were the characteristics of unfaithfulness of the other two soils? You see there in verse 13, this was the seed that fell upon the rocks, and it says they received the word with joy. But notice, these have no roots who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Is that faithfulness? Is it faithful if, if we do something that's reliable and dependable and loyal for a short period of time? No, faithfulness deals with the idea of duration. Faithfulness is commitment that remains over time. And, and then we have the next one. In verse 14, the roots go deeper, but the problem is there are things that are crowding out the faithfulness. Notice as these grew, they go out and they're choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and they bring no what? Fruit to maturity. Do you realize how well this passage parallels with the fruit of the Spirit? A lot of time I think people read about Luke here in the 8th chapter and they just immediately think of evangelism. And that's a wonderful application. But Christians produce a lot more fruit in their life than just other souls. One of the fruit that we are to produce every moment in our life is the fruit of the Spirit. And here he says, there's something that chokes that fruit out. When we let the pleasure of this world, the riches of this world, the worries and concerns of this world choke us out, what happens? We never bring that fruit to maturity. That's an interesting thought. As you think about the fruit of the Spirit in your life, is it always this small fruit that you keep walking under the, the tree thinking, I'll be glad when that matures. That's going, to be a, that's going to be a wonderful fruit. It's just not ready yet. When you think about the characteristics that we've been studying, are you maturing? Is that fruit really being produced? If not, is it because there's not a root system there? Or is it because there's too much competition going on in your life where you're kind of being pulled between this relationship with the world and you're being pulled with this relationship with Christ and you produce a little bit of fruit but you can't really get yourself fully committed what is it? Because there is a soil that's a good soil. Look in verse 15. The ones that fell on the good ground, that's the seeds that fell on the good ground, are those who having heard the word of God with a noble and a good heart. What do they do? They keep it. They take the words of God, which, by the way, one of the songs we sang this morning talked about the breath of the Spirit of God. That literally is one way to define inspiration. Inspiration means the breath of God. You cannot speak unless breath passes through your vocal cords. And so the Word of God is inspired. In other words, God breathed it. God said it. And so here he's talking about the Word of God as seed being planted in the hearts. And, and notice he says here, what do these individuals do? They hear the Word of God and they keep it. Why? They want that relationship with God. But not only do they keep it, but notice what they do. They bear fruit. The Word of God has changed their life. The Word of God has convinced them that by God's help and God's strength, we can crucify the old flesh. By God's help, we can belong to Christ. By God's help, we can walk and we can live in the Spirit. But do you notice that each one of these characteristics that we've studied, we intentionally have seen that first, we must receive them from God before we can produce them as fruit. 
So if we're studying about faithfulness, isn't it wonderful to know that the source of faithfulness is God Himself? Look at Hebrews the 10th chapter. Hebrews the 10th chapter in verse 23. We have a beautiful writing. Of course, all of the Bible is beautiful. Hebrews has some beautiful and challenging passages in it. And, and he really calls us to faithfulness throughout Hebrews the 10th chapter, and especially verse 19 and following. But going right to this particular verse here in verse 23, he says, let us. And he's had several let us statements. In other words, he's calling us into an active faith. And here's just one example. Verse 23, let us hold fast. See that idea of faithfulness? Hold fast. It's, it's a duration. The, the idea, literally in the, the original language here, hold fast, is to grip and never let go. That's literally what it means. Hold fast. In other words, you're faithful to this. You're enduring in this. It doesn't matter what happens. You're not going to let go. What is it that we're not letting go of in 23? Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Somebody says, wait a minute, you want me to hold fast and you want me to never waver? How, how could I ever do that? And he says, do you realize who's giving you his promise? And part of the promise ties back even the verse before this, and that's the eternal life that we have. That's why we have this hope. And, and so he's saying, you can do even more than what you think you can do. Why? Because God is faithful. It's a beautiful thought. He challenges us by saying, Hold fast, without wavering. The word wavering in the original language literally means without leaning. Think of the standard God is setting for us here. Now, obviously God knows that you and I are not perfect. So I do not teach God's Word this morning to discourage any of us. Let's make that real clear. God knows that we're not perfect. In other words, God will forgive us. God will let us get up and try again. God is a God of restoration. We saw beautiful restorations this week in El Salvador. How wonderful it is that God's a God that says, I know you're going to make mistakes. I just want you to get up. I want you to keep the bar where I have set it. And I want you to strive for that bar. And we say, okay, God, what is the bar you have set? And he says, well, I'm faithful and I set the bar at faithfulness. I want you to be faithful. And so what does he say? He says, I want you to hold on to your faith. I want you to never let go. I don't even want you to lean. Notice he didn't say, I don't want you to step all the way back over in the world. He says, I don't even want you to lean toward the world. I think several years ago, I told you about when I was growing up and I had my ponies. You know, my first pony has a little bitty and he's, he's a little palomina. And well, a man could straddle him like this. And I rode him until I was about eight or nine years old and I outgrew him and I got a big pony. And I'd go out every afternoon, and I'd train him kind of like you would your dog. I'd put the saddle on, the bridle, and bring him out in the yard, and I'd teach him just voice commands, you know, walk without any hands on him. I'd just be, you know, I'd say, wool, stay. Well, I got the bright idea. I wanted to teach him to stay even when I wasn't standing there. And so I would go hide behind the house, and I'd peek around the corner of the house. And, and the way I had taught him to stay was... Whenever he would bend his knee, the hoof wouldn't even be off the ground. Whenever I would see his knee bend as if he were going to pick up, in other words, he would lean a little bit to the left and he'd start to bend his right knee, I'd just immediately say, whoa, he'd lock his knee back down. He'd go to bend his knee, I'd say, whoa, 
Well, after several afternoons of that, he got to where he wouldn't bend his knees. He would just stand there. Do you hear what the Lord is saying to us? The Lord is saying, I don't want you to look over at the world and bend your knee toward it. I don't want you to lean toward the world. You say, God, are, are you serious? Is, is that really how high you're setting the bar? He says, I want you to grab hold of the faith and I don't want you to let it go. I don't even want you to be standing here in a relationship with me producing the fruit of faithfulness and then at the same time be leaning toward the world. And somebody says, how could we ever do that? And the power, the strength, the example is God is faithful. You realize God has never let us down. Let that sink in. God has never once forsaken us. God has never once turned His back on us. God has never once done something to you or to me, and after He did, I have to say, ooh, I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Never. God has been good to us. God is faithful. And because of that, the bar is set so high But because of that, we have such a powerful God. For example, in 1 John 1 and 9, notice how his faithfulness is tied in to these next three slides that we'll have to mention very quickly. But you see see where this lesson is going. So now let's let's just make a few points quickly and, and start pulling this together. When we think about God's faithfulness, notice like 1 John 1 and 9 is written to Christians. It's not written to non-believers about their salvation. It's written to Christians about their salvation. And he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. You see, it's important for us to always know God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us for all unrighteousness. Are you saved? Well, I don't know. I know sometimes God will save people, and I know sometimes he just turns his back on them and says, I don't know if I'm saved or not. Isn't it wonderful to know you don't have to believe that? You don't have to worry with that. God's faithful. God's grace is, is, is offered to us. His love is shining down upon us. We either accept it or we reject it. But we don't have to worry about accepting it and then thinking, I don't have any idea if he's really going to do it or not. He's faithful. That brings us comfort to salvation. It also brings us protection. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. No temptation is overtaking you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Three things he says, and, and in between these three, he puts right there in the middle, I just want you to believe this, I'm faithful. What? Whatever you're going through, other people have gone through it. Satan loves isolation. If he can isolate us, he can discourage us. And one of the ways Satan isolates us is making us think nobody else goes through what we go through. God says, I'm going to make a promise to you, and I'm faithful. Other people are going through what you're going through. Number two, I will not let Satan put more upon you than what you can stand. I'm faithful. I will not let him destroy you. Number three, he says, I'm faithful. I will always make sure there's a way of escape. When we feel like there's, there's no way that I can get out of this and, and be holy and be close to God, God says, oh, yes, you can. I am faithful. I always offer that. Let's skip several slides now, and let's start bringing this lesson to a close as we think about the Spirit's faithfulness to us. The Spirit's faithfulness is to produce fruit. 
And you know, there are always pestilence that destroy fruit. And one of the, the most dangerous pestilence to the fruit of the Spirit is selfishness. The greener pastures. Somebody else excites you more than your spouse. Somebody's other possessions you believe will bring you greater satisfaction than your possessions. On and on we can go with those greener pastures. Those thoughts, those actions are not produced by the Spirit. You go back and you read the works of the flesh and those are produced by the desire of the flesh. I need to be aware of selfishness. I need to be aware of how important it is that God's will be lived out and be the standard. Now we're back to that bar. God's will has to be the standard. And if I ever take my hands off, instead of hold fast, I let go. If I ever start leaning and start moving over, the only thing that can be produced in my life then are the works of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit can't be produced then. But a second thing that I need to think about is that the Spirit is faithful to mature the fruit in our life. What is proof of maturity? And perhaps one of the greatest proofs of maturity is faithfulness. For God to be able to say about you, my servant is dependable. My servant is reliable. My servant is loyal to me. Can God truthfully say that about you right now? If not, you don't have mature fruit being produced in your life because faithfulness is a part of that maturity. Do we prove it? Do we prove it in the local church? Please see this from the way it's being taught in the Word of God because I believe it will have far greater impact. Like this morning, we could spend several minutes talking about faithful attendance. But is it really just attendance? Or is it faithfulness being produced in your life because you're living close to God and the result is not, I've made a New Year's resolution and I'm going to attend church. Instead, the result is, I'm growing closer to God. And maybe at one time in my life, it was a New Year's resolution, but now that I'm maturing... It's what I am. It's who I am. Who are you? I'm a person that produces fruit in my life. You want to miss church Sunday night? No, I wouldn't dream of missing it. Why? Well, let me take that back. I would dream of doing that back when I lived for myself. But now that I'm maturing in the faith, I wouldn't dream of doing that. How involved are you in the work of the church? How much do you give? Do you realize that all of these things are are not about them individually? All of these things are about faithfulness or personal purity. It's not just overcoming a vice. It's about faithfulness, honoring commitments. When you tell somebody, I'll do it, do they immediately think to themselves, well, that's done then. That's the kind of person they are. If they say they'll do it, they'll do it. Ray Kroc, some of you would know his name very well because you've learned a lot about leadership through this man. Others of you would say, I've never heard of him. Well, in a way, you kind of have heard of him. In a way, everybody here has heard about him. You see, it was Richard and Maurice McDonald that started McDonald's Restaurant. But they were not able to franchise it successfully. They just were not large enough thinkers in the, as businessmen. They tried, but they failed. 
Ray Kroc came along and said, I'd like to help you with this. And then shortly after that said, I'd like to buy it from you. And he did. And he was the one that made billions off of McDonald's. He has a quote that you've probably seen before. He presents this from the emphasis of persistence. I'd like to close this lesson with just the challenge to each one of us that where we see persistence here, we could replace the word faithfulness. And, and as we read this, you'll see where it's going, but I just want to challenge you that whatever you think your strength is in life, do you realize that if you're not faithful to God, you'll never be what God's designed you to be? It doesn't matter how glamorous and glorious your strength looks. If it is without faithfulness, you'll never succeed in God's eyes. Faithfulness is beautiful. Faithfulness completes us and who we are. This is the way Ray Kroc said it. Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with great talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence, determination alone are omnipotent. I wouldn't say they're omnipotent. But faithfulness to God connects us to an omnipotent source. Friends, whatever ability God has given you, whatever possessions He's placed in your hand, whatever relationships He he has given you to share in, Do you realize that what we need to take into all of that is faithfulness? It doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how highly educated you are. If you're not faithful, it's all in vain. So do we just say, okay, I'll start being faithful? No, not really. First we say, I'll move close to God and I will be faithful to Him. And the rest is a result of that. I don't remember a series that we've ever had where more people have emailed me and told me individual stories of changes you've made in your life. That's been a huge encouragement to me. That's why I preach. It's for the Word of God to change lives. And maybe today it's something personally that you see in your life that You and God are going to make that right. If so, just make sure you're faithful. But maybe it's of a public nature and and you need to respond to that and let the church know that you know you haven't been faithful and you want forgiveness of sins and you want to be faithful from here out. There's nothing more important for us to be faithful to God. If you haven't been immersed into Christ, been baptized into Christ, why not this morning? Or if you have and you've fallen away, why not come back and be faithful this morning? Faithful is not easy for any of us. It's only produced by the Spirit. If we can help you anyway, comes we stand as we sing.